Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Training camp is officially here, and the Blue Jackets are once again playing hockey, or something very close to it. We'll talk about the start of the preseason, Zach Warinski's new contract, and we'll kick off the first of our four division previews. I am Ryan Real. Joining us for this episode, we've got Eric Seeds. Hey, Seeds, how you doing? Hey, guys, how's it going? Things are good. Things are good. We've got Pale Dragon. PD, how are you tonight? Good. I woke up feeling dangerous. Uh, I've got my Joe Thomas jersey on. And for those of you listening Tuesday or thereafter, you can laugh at me being excited (laughs) for the game in which the Browns will likely blow it to the Jets second string quarterback. Hey, look at it this way. There's no way that game on Monday night is as awful as the game I attended on Saturday. Don't tempt fate. Don't tempt <laughs> this is for the, Browns for the, Jets. For those of you unaware, I went to the Michigan State Arizona State sporting contest that can only be called football in the loosest of terms. No, dude, this is Browns Jets, two of the dumbest NFL franchises on Monday Night Football, which has often been dumb lately. Don't doubt how awful this game can be. <laughs> you guys, you guys know how to pick them. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, we should have a lot to talk about this episode because training camp is finally here. If you're listening to this on Tuesday when we release it, the Blue Jackets play their first preseason game tonight against Buffalo, and then they play the rest of, uh, you know, they play Pittsburgh, and and preseason is here. Training camp is open. I don't know how much you guys have been able to take in, but what have your impressions been so far about the the week that we've seen uh, of preseason? Yes, I haven't been able to to see much of it. I've just read the reports. Uh, the thing I'm most excited about is that uh, Seed's nemesis, Alex Wenberg, apparently looks pretty good. So, so that's encouraging. I mean, it's only it's only camp, but him looking good in scrimmages is better than him not looking good in scrimmages. I'm hopeful Alexander Wenberg can uh, maybe some maybe it's that confidence thing that he supposedly found at the. IIHF Worlds uh, last spring um, did him a little bit of wonders and he's actually, you know, found his game and came to camp willing to uh, rediscover his game here in Columbus and, you know, play well. I've been I've mostly been following the goaltending. Obviously, I haven't been there. I was out of town 
all weekend. So what I've been, I've been reading all the reports and most have been focused on the goaltending, see how Elvis and um, Jonas Corpusalo have looked. And they've looked, it sounds like, fine. Um, Elvis is working on, uh, based on the reports, working on um, where guys, where shooter locations are coming from just because of the smaller ice. And that's kind of just a thing he has to work on. But it sounds like both guys are committed to working hard and trying to uh, not let the team drop too far from Sergei Bobrovsky's performance last season. So that's kind of what my, my big focus is this this preseason. Well, we joked about Gustav Nyquist being the fellow Swede that Winberg has lacked since the departure of Wild Bill Carlson. But it seems like there may actually be some truth to that. It seems like Nyquist might actually be making a difference with regard to Winberg's play. Yeah, but it, you know, it's not necessarily because they're countrymen. Although that that could certainly <laughs> that was help things, but but he also there are his style of play could very well complement Wenberg. I think he he just he's a veteran player. He knows how to get open, so Wenberg can pass and and find him, and he can get into the dirty areas around the goal, and he can score from there as well. And then you know Bjorkstrand can be your sniper. So I, I think. There's a lot of solid tactical reasons why that line could work. And then we also have all of the young guys who are trying to make the team. There is some room with the departure of Artemi Panarin and Ryan Dezingle and Matt Duchesne. And we've seen Trey Fix Wolanski making some plays. He stole a puck from Seth Jones the other day. The, the, the speedsters are out. It's, it's fun to read about those guys, too, because that's always that's kind of what preseason the, the first week of preseason is for. Yeah, so I'm excited for, for tomorrow night. Uh, Emil Bemstrom is in the lineup, so I'm really excited to get a first look at, at him. He wasn't able to play in Traverse City, but it looks like he's good to go for tomorrow night. I don't know who he'll be on the line with, but uh, it's exciting to see he in the line, him in the lineup. Uh, Sonny Milano is also in the lineup tomorrow, and I feel like maybe he and Bemstrom are kind of fighting for the same spot. So we'll see if either one of them stands out more tomorrow. Uh, Texier is also in the lineup. Um, I don't see a ton of like locks to play center in that group. So I wonder if we're going to be seeing Texier playing center tomorrow night. Yeah, based on the lineup they put out, I would absolutely believe they're going to put Texier at center, which I think is really good. As we well know, center depth is extremely lacking on this team and has been for pretty much all of franchise history. So uh, yeah, having Texier be able to play step in and play center would be a luxury. Uh, I was listening to um, 31 thoughts on the way on the drive back from Michigan yesterday. And they were taught and they, uh, they even talked about on that lot on the, uh, on that podcast, how they believe um, Alexander Texier is going is primed for a big season here in Columbus. They think he can really be a special player down here. And they just kind of brought that up unprompted during the course of talking about the Zach Warinsky contract, which kind of caught me off guard that this kid's making waves nationally and internationally, I guess, you know, it's a Canadian podcast, but here's hoping for uh, Alex Texier to continue having what seems like a strong summer and a strong training camp. And it's, it's hard to believe that this kid, you know, he was in, you know, he came over, played five, seven games, whatever it was in Cleveland and then got called up and was integral down the stretch and, and into the first round of the playoffs. Like it, you know, the, the sky's the limit for this kid, especially if he can make the transition to center. And he's got the opportunity this summer with uh, Liam Foody missing the first bit of camp here with an injury. It sounds like he sustained up in um, Traverse City. So, yeah, here's here's hoping for something good tomorrow night. And I think two years ago he was playing in Grenoble, France. <laughs> <laughs> 
it and, and what, what works out to like a semi-pro league essentially and and now he's on the cusp of being a potentially you know second line center in the nhl it's pretty crazy well seeds i'm glad you mentioned traverse city because last week we had brian hedger on the podcast and he called from traverse city but that was before the final two games so we actually i have not talked on the canning cast about traverse city but really the, the big story i think for all Jackets fans, was what we talked about, which was Texier just dominating and playing center for Coach Mike Eves uh, up there and, you know, scoring in overtime multiple times and just kind of dominating on the dot. That's I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Absolutely. All right. Well, Seeds, you also mentioned something else we're going to get to, Zach Wierenski, which also happened pretty much right as soon as we released last week's podcast. Zach Wierenski signs with the Blue Jackets, three years, $5 million per, kind of what everybody thought. And then it kind of came out, there, there was some, maybe some backlash from the analytics crowd for his five-on-five and defensive liabilities, which are fair, we could talk about that. But Zach Wierenski locked up for the Blue Jackets for the next three years, and the timing of that is, is, is very interesting and, and very uh, prescient, I think. So, guys, Zach Wierenski, he's back, and he, and he signed before camp started, before everybody had to report, which was, which was a big deal for Tortorella all summer. First of all, congratulations to Zach on signing his contract. Glad to have him back here. Um, he had some quotes that came out after he signed the contract that were like, missing camp was never a consideration. He, it sounded like he really wanted to get this done and be here in camp. Guys, this is the first training camp since his rookie year where he has been fully healthy and hasn't or had a fully healthy offseason. Two years ago, he was or uh, after his rookie year, he was dealing with uh, the, the facial fractures from that shot against the Penguins. And then last year, he was uh, obviously dealing with a torn rotator cuff and rehabbing that. So, Wierenski's actually had a full summer where he can work out and, uh, by all accounts, is in great shape. And it's it, for all the flack that he was getting uh, last season, yeah, he uh, he was also playing his way back into shape after having that offseason surgery that required a lot of rehab. And uh, also, the kid's only, like, 22 years old. He or the prime years for NHL defensemen. He's, like, just entering those years. He's got all the time in the world to build muscle, learn, learn the game, learn the defensive, uh, learn the defensive roles. And uh, in addition to being a solid uh, point scorer in this league, like Zach, Zach Wernsey going to be fine, guys. Don't don't worry about his five on five play. He'll he'll be all right. Yeah. And I don't think his five on five play is as bad as they seem to suggest that it was. No, I don't I either. Mean, I mean, his, his shots share is still good. He has had some struggles there. I, I think with the stats, they, they missed some of the context that in the first half of last season, in addition to, yeah, getting over, you know, his shoulder rehab, <laughs> which I think Ma- is still major, a major shoulder, sur- shoulder surgery. But then uh, Tortorella also changed his role and moved him down the lineup, put him in more defensive starts, I think was putting in a position to have to work on his defensive play. So I think it's it's not surprising that some of his numbers dropped a little because he was being asked to play a different role. But I think in the second half of the season, as he was finally fully healthy, fully conditioned, and then back up with Jones, I, I think that time down the lineup was actually good for him. And I think his play improved as a result of it. So, And as I said, he's only 22 years old. Like He's just going to keep getting better and better. So I'm not worried about him. I think it's a really... Uh, reasonable contract for the next three years. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens three years from now, uh, as both he and Jones will be at the end of their contracts. Now, I do think the team will try to extend both of them 
you know, well before the deadline, before they hit the open market. So I'm, I'm not too worried about that yet, but that is something to keep an eye on. I think they'll get Jones locked up first. I think Jones will want to get locked up long term. And then uh, Wierenski can, uh, can sign shortly thereafter, probably for a similar term and average cap hit. I could see those guys, you know, being signed for basically the next 11 years from this point uh, for similar amounts. Right. And that deal is, we said $5 million per, but that deal is backloaded where that final year will be $7 million, which plays into what he would sign for his qualifying offer if he wanted to go that route. But I think if you had said to all of us, three years, $5 million, you know, back in July or, or May, we'd, we'd be fine with that. I think, I think that's, that's great. Right. It kind of it kind of came under where I thought it was going to be. I figured it'd be around like a 5.5 something like that, but Warnski apparently I think it's a good deal for both teams or both or both sides here, you know. The team kind of gets him a, a little bit on the cheap and Warren and uh Warnski gets uh this will still be an RFA and under team control. I think it's a uh, and he's kind of betting on himself here. Uh I think it's a good deal for both sides. Yeah, I, I think the fact that it was backloaded was important to him because, of, again, you get, he gets that big qualifying offer. And so some people were concerned about the fact that, you know, he could take that $7 million qualifying offer and, you know, play a fourth year at $7 million and then just walk as an unrestricted free agent. Some people are concerned about that. I mean, certainly that is a possibility. There's just so much, though, that could happen between now and then that I'm not worried about yet. I do think that he likes it here. I think he likes playing with Jones, and I think the two of them will be willing to stay together. Now, it would be the fact where maybe each of them will be signed for eight more years at a $10 million cap hit, but hopefully by then with a new TV contract and a new team in the league that the cap will go up. But yeah, those two might take up you know, 20% of the team's cap. But Oh, n- uh, oh no, we have to pay our stars. Like... Exactly. <laughs> They're going to be so good for that amount of time that it'll be worth it. And, and defensemen tend to age well in the NHL. I mean, look at look. At, I mean, Mark Giordano just won his first Norris Trophy at age 36. Like, I'm not I'm not worried about that. And, and guys, people need to work. Uh, stop worrying about guys just walking after every single contract. Like, I think a lot of the fan base has, has been burned this summer by the departures of Bob Panarin and Duchesne. But like. You know, Panarin's the only one who reasonably could they they could have signed. They were obviously not, never going to sign Bob for the term he wanted, so he that was always he was always a goner. And then Duchesne was building a house in Nashville, like that that trade was always a rental. I think fans just need to take a step back, take a deep breath here, and realize not every single free agent we ever have ever is going to walk away just because those guys did. Just you know, take a deep breath and yeah. step step back off the ledge here, guys. And, and I think we, we need to learn to trust Yarmo and realize that, you know, it's OK to maybe just let guys walk and that you don't you don't lose them for nothing. What you gain is they play for you for the entire tenure of their contract. So as long as this team is competitive, it's more worth it for us to keep these guys in the fold for as long as we can. Now, if the team starts to look like they're not going to be good for a few years. Well, yeah, then you talk about maybe trading those guys for assets. But thats I don't think that's the mind frame that the front office is in at this point. So just, yeah, we've got, you know, Roransky for 
the next four years at least, you know, and this looks to be a competitive team for at least the next four years. And he's going to be a big part of that. And that's great. So let's just let's just focus on the near and future. He's positive about the city and enjoys being here. So, yeah, yeah. So, oh, he's just going to bolt for the Red Wings if there was chance. Like, ah. I mean, I'm sure that that was a childhood dream of his to play for the Red Wings, but uh, he's got a pretty good deal going on here right now. I think and his, his brother even has a job here in Columbus and lives here now. So, like, he li- yeah, I, he lives with his brother here. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's close enough to his parents back in Michigan. Like, I, I think he he seems like he's very comfortable in Columbus. And Seth Jones, by all accounts, seems to have really embraced the city. So I, I think these guys, assuming that they're paid fair value, which it seems like the team is willing to pay them, I think they would each be content to play the rest of their careers here, play together, continue to be one of the top pairs in the league. It's just so nice after last season with all the Panarin and Bob and Duchesne drama to have somebody locked up before camp starts who wants to be here. And that was really the last kind of remaining lingering question with regards to offseason drama. And it's nice to have that put to bed. And the team is fun now. You know, everybody's <laughs> everybody's in. Everybody's all in. So till next summer when we get to do it with Josh Anderson. Hooray. Woo! Yeah. Well. <laughs> One thing at a time. One thing at a time. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Pacific Division with our first division preview in just a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, we are back, and let's talk about the Pacific Division. We're going to start way out west with a division that's kind of wide open. Maybe there's some some consensus at the top, but after that, who knows? Yeah, so we're going to start with the Pacific Division. The important thing, as far as Jackets fans are concerned, is always when do when do the team make these West Coast road trips? which we hate staying up for. I often fall asleep on the couch during them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we worry about what so that's why you has. give me those recaps. <laughs> <laughs> I always take at least one of them. But yeah, that's why I like to give them off. No. Uh, yeah. For all the games that I didn't have to recap, I I wa- started watching each of them and I fell asleep on the couch <laughs> during each of them. <laughs> It's always fun to wake up and and there's Brian Giesenslaw talking about what happened. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I didn't see the third period. <laughs> um, so the uh, the California road trip is in early January. So I'm sure the players will enjoy getting a uh, a trip to better weather at that point. And the Western Canada trip is, hey, anyone want to guess off the top of their head? Late March. Early March, but it is March for the third straight season. And I hate that. I really don't like them having that kind of travel as they're you know doing the push to the playoffs. Hopefully they're still pushing for the playoffs. Now, I think if the team's playing well, it's not necessarily a bad thing because sometimes a road trip like that can bring the group together. It's a good bonding experience. Uh, I think that was the case in 2018. That's when the team was on their winning streak. It was when they were on that streak of players getting hat tricks. Uh, I remember that Edmonton game where they were down three, nothing after 10 minutes and then tied it up by the end of the first period and won seven to three. 
that was cool. Um, but then last year was a team was struggling and they lost badly to Calgary and they lost badly to Edmonton. But then they took advantage of an off day to, uh, you know, have a team meeting, have a dinner together in Vancouver. And then things started to put up from, you know, pick up from there. They won seven or last eight. So that was a little bit of both sides of it. They struggled on the road, but then they came together as a team because they had nowhere else to go. Another March trip to Western Canada, not ideal. Also not ideal in that stretch. There are two games off, two days off between Calgary and Edmonton. And then Edmonton and Vancouver are back to back. And I hate that. I mean, Calgary and Edmonton are in the same province. Like that <laughs> should be the back to back. And then an off day. Now, at least in California, Anaheim and LA are the back to back. And then there's an off day between traveling from Southern California to Northern California. So that's a little bit better, but oh, well, that's, I, I, I don't expect favors from the NHL scheduling department at this point. So uh, I'm going to go down through last year's standings and, and get your guys hot takes on, uh, on each of these teams. So the winner of the division last year were the Calgary flames with 107 points, but I don't, uh, the thing that they made one of the more confusing moves of the off season, I thought in that they traded James Neal for Milan Lucic's contract. Now, no, I don't just say that they traded for Milan Lucic. I'd say they traded for <laughs> Milan Lucic's contract. Right. Because he is making, he's got a $5.25 million cap hit for the next four seasons. Oh, yeah, through, 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 the re- through the end of the CBA. I'm just going to throw my hot take out here, guys. Calgary's missing the playoffs. They're, they're, Calgary's going to miss the playoffs this year, and let me talk you through it. They traded for Lucic, and they have said that they're going to try him with uh, Monahan and Johnny Goudreau on the top line. Oh, we, no. We, oh, have, no. we have seen this with Connor McDavid, who I don't know if you guys have looked at lately, but the life in his eyes appears dead, and he's 22 <laughs> years old. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how many points Lucic had last year? Oh, I looked this up. It's something stupid, like 20. It is 20. Six yeah. goals, 14 assists in 79 games. I was yeah. his con his contract makes Brandon Dubinsky's contract look like Josh Anderson's contract. Yeah, it's 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 absurd. And it was and it was bad the minute they signed it. But so yeah, they're gonna What he does gonna, doesn't score doesn't always show up on the score sheet, guys. Right. He he was there to protect Connor McDavid, <laughs> guys, because there's so many goons in the league now, you know. <laughs> Little five eight Cam Atkinson is going to chase down Connor McDavid and you know rough him up in the corner, but yeah, that's my hot take. Calgary's missing the playoffs. They they then their other move they brought in Cam Talbot in one of the weirder transactions that happened in the NHL this summer, where via free agency Edmonton and Calgary swapped goaltenders. Mike Smith went is now a starting goaltender in Edmonton, and. Uh, Cam Talbot came to Calgary and he's been a sieve for mo- for the last uh, few years over in Calgary or over in Edmonton. So, yeah, I just don't think and I think Calgary's just going to regress to the mean, especially because they're not going to get that kind of defensive performance again from Mark Giordano. Granted, he was great last year and he, he might still be very good this year, but they need great up and down that lineup. I don't know. It seems odd to have a career year at age 35. Like I you can't expect that to happen again. You can't right? see it, but I'm injecting things into my body, and I'm also pointing at Tom Brady someplace <laughs> up in New England. I'm just, you know, just just hypothesizing. Yeah, maybe Giordano's taking whatever Tom Brady is. Yeah, but the goal, the goal tending was whatever. the goal tending was bad last year, and they won despite it. I don't know if they can take that risk again. 
That's what uh, I was going to say. I think big save Dave Riddich really bailed them out there for the regular season. And I, I don't know if that 9-11 save percentage is going to happen again. Right. And we saw, and then we saw them ride Mike Smith in the playoffs right to yeah. a first round exit. So, Oh, and uh, Matthew Kachuk is still not signed. Hooray. Mm. I mean, which I think he, he will at some point, but, you know, when. So we talked about Edmonton. So let's go ahead and jump to them. So they were second to last in the Pass. division with 79 points. Uh, do you get guys? Do we see them getting any better? No, no. I mean, not this year. I, I think Tippett can make some changes. I, I don't know what they're doing with Miko Koskinen. James Neal maybe will rediscover his juju. I don't like Ken Holland there at all. But you know, no. I, I I just don't. I I think they'll get better. I don't think they'll threaten for anything. No, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But I think. <laughs> And, 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 you know, hope maybe James Neal, he'll, he'll never be 30 goal James Neal like he was when Kuznetsov was feeding him pucks or not Kuznetsov, uh, Evgeny Malkin was feeding him pucks every night. But getting, and I didn't really super like the Ken Holland hire, but getting that, getting out from under that Lucic contract is an unequivocal win no matter how you spin it. So that, that's it's one Trelli. great thing they did this summer. Hey, do you guys know who their uh, fifth highest cap hit is amongst forwards? Sam Gagne. Hey, <laughs> the power so play specialist fun. himself. Yeah. So uh, second place in the division were the San Jose Sharks. Uh, now they they lost some pieces. Uh, Joe Pavelski is gone to Dallas and they also lost Eunice Donskoy. Uh, Joe Thornton, uh, Jumbo Joe, he is back for one more year at two million dollar uh, cap hit. They also they signed, had some really good contracts. Uh, Timo Meyer they signed for four years, six million dollars. Kevin LeBanc, uh, they got him. He's on for one yeah, million dollars. Yeah, that's insane. It's just that, so that, that that is the best deal signed this summer. That is nuts. Yeah, I I don't know what he's thinking. Also, they uh, locked up Eric Carlson long term. Now he's making eleven point five million dollar cap hit here for the next uh, seven years, eight yeah, seven eight, years. Eight. Is that it? Eight years. Yeah, so that's that's a lot, <laughs> but he's also one of the best defensemen in the league, and if he's healthy, that could be that could be really good. Uh, Martin Jones, though, is also signed for five more years in goal. He was not good at all last year. So, what what do you guys think about San Jose? Yeah, uh, fun fact: the San Jose Sharks had the worst goaltending in the NHL last season, bar none. Like most most goals allowed all year, San Jose. Signing Eric Carlson. And yet they got to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. the NHL playoffs are voodoo and make no sense. (laughs) Signing Eric Carlson is an unequivocal win. You had to do it. You had to extend him. Probably that cap hit. But man, when you're paying, because he's what, 30 right now? And he's He's signed for eight years. Like, yeah, he'll be 30. Yeah, yeah. So you're paying him until he's 37. That's a really, really tough contract if he doesn't stay healthy. And he's really struggled with injuries here lately, They're really throughout his career. So, yeah, that, that could be really bad, especially if like because he's a he's a very smart defenseman, very good defenseman. But he relies a lot on his speed. So if he starts losing a step. That that contract's going to look real, real tough here. And and you really if you're the San Jose, you're banking on your your window is still open enough that you can get into the playoffs. And, you know, like you guys just mentioned, they made the Western Conference Finals. So maybe they get in and, you know, go on a run, get hot. Martin Jones becomes 
you know, Jordan Bennington or Matt Murray of the last couple of years, and they make it to the cup finals and finally fulfill the, on their promise. But man, if he, but you're hoping that Carlson stays healthy and productive long enough for that window to stay open for a few more years, because San Jose, my, my, my biggest issue with what San Jose did this summer is they didn't really do anything to replace the production. They lost from Joe Pavelski who went down to Dallas, correct? So yeah, yeah, so they've got, yeah, they've got, They've got that. They've got a big question mark on offense there. So well, they added Dalton Proud, so I don't know if that's totally <laughs> true. Yeah, what what am I thinking? <laughs> but I do think they're I do think they're banking on the kids, right? Like I think they need Hurdle and Meyer to take that next step. I know Hurdle's twenty six, but mm-hmm. I, I think that's they're hoping that the kids finally have some room to grow now that the old guard may have moved on. And I mean, kudos him for betting on him. That's kind of what the Jackets are doing now. But I I don't know. I can see it. I can see it. And I mean, you still yeah. got Logan Couture there, and uh, Brent Burns is still there, and you know, yeah, I, I think, I think there's still definitely a contender for the next couple seasons. They have a nice mix of veterans and young players, and they don't have really any egregious overpays. So I think their cap is balanced pretty nicely. They're up against it, but I think it's okay to spend to the cap if you're a good team and you're spending it on good players, which I think is what they're doing. In in the similar vein, there are the uh, third place team in the Pacific were the Vegas Golden Knights at 93 points. So it was not quite the storybook season they had had uh, their first season in the league. Of course, they were eliminated in the first round in heartbreaking phase. Well, it was heartbreaking for them. It was hilarious yeah. as a neutral observer giving yes. up four goals in a five minute major penalty. Uh, it was a bad call, but man... You you can't give up four goals in five minutes. I don't care if it's a man advantage or not. You just, you can't do that. But uh, yeah, Vegas is also right up against the cap. But man, the way they've allotted their money, it looks really good. They've got Mark Stone, but Mark Stone is one of the best forwards in the league. And I think he's actually a little bit underrated even. But he's making $9.5 million, and that's totally fine. Max Passaretti was disappointing last year, but I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll be fine. You know, they got Wild Bill at $5.9 a year long term. Uh, JM is signed for five more years at a $5 million cap hit. That's really good. And did anyone think back in 2013 when Marcia So had a cup of coffee with the Jackets that he would become the player he is? No, not at all. And no. no no, no, no one's even gonna lie and claim credit for that. No, their their defense, I don't, I don't love it. Like their what top airs like Nate Schmidt and Shea Theodore. Uh, that's, but but again, no one's overpaid there at least. Um, which oh did you guys yeah, there read is. The, oh, there's one guy that's on that contract that's on that cap that's overpaid. Go on, Mark Andre Fleury, baby. Uh, <laughs> That is a he's got three years left at seven million a year, and he is 37 years old. He's Mark, he's 34. Or, well, oh, excuse me, yeah, he'll he, be 37 he'll be, when he'll but, be 35 in November. Yeah, when it expires, he'll be 37 yeah. when that contract, he'll be 37 when that contract ends. Boy, howdy, that contract ain't good because Mark Andre Flory, we we know he's dealt with injuries, you know, Mark, uh, it's just. You know, yet when Vegas went went on that run, they had to sign him. They, you know, at that point, he's Absolutely. the face of the franchise. But uh, 
he went 35 and 21 last year, gave but only put up you know a league average save percentage. He put up a 913, league average was like 910. And he's not getting any younger and that contract extension is finally kicking in. So, uh Vegas needs they're they're basically just going to have to score in track meets. They're going to have to outscore their guys cuz I don't trust their defense and I frankly don't trust Flurry for entire years anymore. Yeah, but at least yeah, I, I think, they, think they, I think they make the playoffs and probably finish second in the division, but I don't yeah and i will say that even if yeah their defense doesn't really impress me their goaltending could go wrong if flurry goes wrong but their forwards they have a lot of forwards who are really good defensively you know stone is always a selkie yeah, contender that's true william carlson is also similar that way yeah william carlson that's a really good contract uh if and he's going to be their second line center, the only the only forward contract I don't really like is Paul Stastny's, but it's only two a two year. There's only two years left on it, so that's fine. Yeah, but and that's you know six point five million dollars for a, a top six center. It, it's not it's not terrible. Hello, I'm Neilai Patel, the editor in chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So then moving on to a really interesting team, the Arizona Coyotes, who were fourth in division last year with 86 points. They were kind of knocking on the door of the playoffs because the Western Conference just didn't have a very high bar. Unlike the Eastern Conference, they locked up Clayton Keller at a really reasonable contract kicks in next year at seven million dollars now is. Do you guys think that's an okay that's contract for him? Too much. Too much. Yeah, I, I think, think it's I think it's too much. Yeah, I would agree. Now, do, do you think his game is not going to improve that he would get to that level? I guess it's just kind of a big bet considering what he did last year. I, I mean, good for him for getting it. I, I've just been waiting for I've been hearing this every summer about the Coyotes for the last three or four years. Coyotes 2.0, right? Like we've been waiting for this and it hasn't panned out. I think I think now I think this might be the year. I think I know we're talking about Clayton Keller, but adding Kessel, adding Phil Kessel, I think. Mm -hmm. And this team was so injured last year. I think they lost something like almost 400 man games to injury. Oh, yeah. I, I think that really did them in. And this division is so wacky and kind of up for grabs, especially considering the context of the West. I think this might be the team to make the leap. Well, let me tell you, Ryan, that is my hot take. The The Arizona Coyotes <laughs> are back in the playoffs this year. We're going to get some home games with the Peyote Coyote. The Arizona is going back to the playoffs this season. I think I think the addition of Phil Kessel is huge. And while he might not, you know, you know, he's he's older. He's not going to have he's not going to be playing in Pittsburgh, but it, but he's still good enough that and he's in a market where. You know, there's not going to be that intense scrutiny of 
Toronto or Pittsburgh on him every night where someone's not going to be yelling at him for every little thing he does. Phil Kessel's going to thrive in this environment with his, uh, you know, man cave of po- of one, one theater seat and terrible movie posters on the walls. Phil Kessel is going to have a great <laughs> year, and Phil Kessel is going to lead the Arizona Coyotes to the playoffs. Mark it. Well, and, his, and his game hasn't really fallen off, though, to right. this point. So no, I, I see... As long as I nobody hates him like Malka does. As long as the line mate doesn't want to yeah. leave town. I see two ways, though, this can go with Kessel. There's, and there's not going to be a middle ground. He either continues to play really well and carries this team for the next few years and, you know, is kind of the veteran to guide this young group because it's still a pretty young team. Or, alternately, because he's in Arizona and he can golf on every off day throughout <laughs> the season that he's home, he can totally phone it in. He can put on even more weight, eat a bunch of hot dogs, <laughs> and just collect his paycheck for the next three years. So it's going to go one of those two ways with no middle ground. That's that's what I think is going to happen there. I could see that. I, I'm good for them. Go for it. Go for it. Get your money, Phil. Get your hot dogs. All right. Then uh, behind the Coyotes were the Vancouver Canucks at 81 points. Does does anyone have anything to say about Vancouver? They got to get Jim Benning out of there. That's my. That's all I got. Their yeah, management all, is just a mess from ownership down. He he signed an extension this summer. Didn't yeah, he? yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My my hot take is uh, Vancouver needs to get Jim Benning out, and Elias Pettersson is really good. Yeah, so I I think they try to do a re rebuild on the fly, the way that the Rangers apparently are doing it. But I it just there's not enough there. There's just not enough there. I guess if you get Capo Caco and Artemi Panera, then yeah, you got a shot. But I mean, they got Brock Lesnar and they got Bo Horvat, but and Elias Pettersson. It's just not the rest of it isn't there. Well, this and they they still have to re-sign Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I, I I found this stat on Yahoo earlier that was uh Vancouver finished 29th in the league in expected goals for, and was 31st in the in the league in high scoring danger chances for. Um. They got to find some goal scorers and they didn't find any this summer. So, yeah, they're just not going to. Yeah, nothing. I have nothing to say about Vancouver. But they did sign Tyler Myers to five years at a six million dollar cap hit. And their highest paid forward is Louis Erickson. What's going on out there? Their third highest paid forward is JT Miller. Are they trying to get relegated to the (laughs) AHL? So here's the thing that for goalies, uh, they have. Uh, Jacob Markstrom with a $3.6 million cap hit. Thatcher Demko with a $1.05 million cap hit. And Roberto Luongo with a $3 million recapture <laughs> penalty hit for the next Aww. three seasons. Is it is it bad? It's probably a bad sign that like, you know, I follow this league really, really closely, more closely than any than any other sport in the in or more closely than anything else in the entire world. And I have never heard of the Vancouver Canucks starting goaltender ever. I have never heard that name until you just read it. And I'm and I watched them play the Vancouver Canucks last year. So yeah, bad. if Thatcher Demko makes the leap as they're expecting, I don't know if they're expecting him to do it this year or if they're going to guide him in. But if he makes the leap, then it's a different conversation. I don't. I still don't think that they're making the playoffs if Thatcher Demko becomes Steve Mason or Carter Hart or I don't know why I'm only naming Flyers goaltenders, but. Then, then it's a different conversation, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen this year. And Qu- Quinn Hughes maybe could help the defense, but there seems to be a lot of dead weight 
there for him to yeah. drag around. So that's that's too bad. And then finally, a team that yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, hate to see it. Don't hate you, Ryan? Hate to see it. Yeah, don't you real, hate to see it? Real bad, man. Los Angeles Kings were dead last at seventy-one points. Do you guys think they're gonna get out of the cellar? No, no, I do not. Uh, no, I don't. Jonathan Quick is a husk of his former self. He is a shell of a man. Yeah. Um, speaking of guys who are speaking of guys who are shells of themselves, where have you gone, Drew Doughty? Yeah. Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty is signed for like a long time, and at like whenever whenever Seth Jones gets his next contract. The uh, the comparable he's gonna be looking for is Drew Doughty. Like that's just the contract he wants. He signed an eight year, eighty eight million dollar deal. He is currently signed through the twenty six twenty seven season at eleven million dollars a year. None of that is signing bonus though. Uh, or well, I guess this is and this is the first year of that extension. It's a, there's a modified no trade through that entire contract. This is the first year, and uh, guys, Drew Doughty was bad last year. Now, granted, yeah. the rest of the team wasn't wasn't good around him, but uh, Dowdy Dowdy last year, let's see, Dowdy last year posted uh, forty five points, just eight goals, um, was a staggering minus thirty four. I know, I know, we bag on plus minus, but after he's been a positive player every year since his rookie season until going minus thirty four last year, played all eighty two games and just he just kind of looked. He didn't even make the All Star team last year like guys is drew Doughty like washed i don't think so i because he's he turns 30 in december so he's not he's not terribly old it was just when when he signed the the extension people thought oh well this is great because he was coming off a fantastic season so i think he was somewhat hurt by his team being terrible but i think he will bounce back now is he ever going to play up to the that 11 million dollar standard no, but I think he will be. I think he's not going to be as bad as this last season was. But it's it's just there's just a lot of bad. There's just a lot of overpaid guys. A lot of old now, guys on that team. Six guys on the team are have a cap hit above five million dollars, and all of them are over the age of thirty. Well, with the exception of your daddy, who turns thirty in December. Not and great, that's, Bob. That is not great. Uh, but on the other hand, this is this is a bill coming due yes. because the guys that are getting paid were part of two cup winning teams. So I think the Kings are probably in the position of, well, we won two cups. Yeah. <laughs> like is- if we have to deal with a bit of a rebuild, so be it. Uh, the only problem is uh, it's hard to move. A lot of this dead weight because a lot of these guys have no trade clauses so it's not like you can necessarily sell them off for parts yet so i think they just have to tolerate being bad for a few more years collect draft picks you know get high draft picks draft well and then hope for something good you know after the expansion draft that that no, I mean you're right. That, that is the bill coming due. We saw it with the Blackhawks. We see it. It's the cyclical nature of the salary cap era. But Kovalchuk didn't do you know what they hoped he would. He is 35 years old and he hasn't played in the NHL in a long time. So that makes sense. You know he's struggling to find his footing on this side of the ocean. 
And, like, you just look at the... Dustin Brown's still getting it done at 34. I mean, he's got 50 points, but you can't... This can't keep happening forever. They got to get Jack Campbell in there. They got to lean on some of the youth. But, as you said, you hate to see it. Now, speaking of hating to see it, uh, Jeff Carter, notably, does not have a no-trade clause. Oh. So... What would be the most hilarious place for him to get traded to? Edmonton. With three years left as contract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I don't see them having the space, but oh man, wouldn't that be? Oh, although they do have 23 million in space going to next season, Edmonton does. James, James, James Neal, James Neal flounders and they, they, they ship him out of town for Jeff Carter. Make it happen. Dubois over Pugliarvi. All these years later. Holy boats. I was so wrong about that. I think a lot of people were. But I swore Pugliarvi was going to torture the Jackets for the next decade. You know who wasn't wrong about that? Well, besides Yarmo Kekalina. I was going to say Yarmo Kekalina. Yeah, yeah. Yarmo. But also me. Because I was the one, one person... In the comments of the dra- of the draft article, saying, "I was just saying, like, hey, like, look, we don't know. We haven't, we haven't, as fans, most of us haven't watched these guys. Like, maybe the, the front office scouts know what they're doing. So I can't take too much credit for it, but it does feel does feel pretty nice. Yeah, you want to know who wrote that draft article and was real mad about picking Dubois over uh, Yessi Pugliarvi? Uh Eric Seeds, guys, I was, <laughs> I, I was really it, displeased with that pick. If the sentence ever starts with "real mad," you know it was an Eric Seeds special. Yep, I can't, I can't tell you how many, how many highlights of Pugliarvi I'd watched. I'd watched all his highlight videos. I was like, this guy's gonna be a stud. He, he's gonna come in and just, you know, wreck shop for this team. And boy, howdy, was I wrong. So, never happy to be more wrong, but. So I, I realized, and this is probably says a lot about this team, but I, yep. I did forget one. I, knew, I noticed. I noticed. Not intentional, but that's a team that I don't I don't see snapping back. Uh, what do you guys think? They got a new coach, I, Dallas Akins. Um, you know, they got Anthony Stolars from the Flyers. No, their offense was one of the worst in the league last year. They lost Corey Perry. I don't. The Ducks. Brian Kessler's done for the year. Yeah. Play. The ducks um, are, a, are a pass for me, dog. <laughs> I, honestly, can we just like send send Seal Team Six in and get John Gibson out? Yes, yeah. send, send him to some place so that actually like has a functioning defense and can score goals in front of him because John Gibson might be the best goaltender in the league, and no one would e- no one will ever see him because he plays behind the rest. Uh, I'm just gesturing wildly at whatever because there's nothing in front of him. And then, and then they're trying to tra- and they're trying to trade uh, Andre Case uh, out of there. So they're, they're, for like yeah, for like Justin Falk, there was talk about that. Yeah, but just Justin Falk has no trade clause, and maybe it wasn't really keen on going there. Do you guys know how many uh, twenty goal scorers uh, Anaheim had last year? How many? One. Jakob Silverberg scored mm. twenty four goals. The only duck. Wow. Yeah. And the Jackets had. Had what five, not including the ones they traded for. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Ryan Getzlaff led the team in scoring last year with forty eight points. Mm, rough stuff. I mean, this is part of another bill coming due for them. As I mean, they're another team who contended for a long time, and you know they they got old. 
I will say though, uh, Gibson having a six point four million dollar cap hit is like an insanely good contract for the yes. Mets. Because I agree that he's a good goalie, and I think he's going to continue being a good goalie for a while. And he obviously doesn't need a great defense in front of him. So that, that I think, helps things a lot. So I think they're a team that maybe, like the Rangers, could do a pretty quick rebuild. You know, Getzlaff, his contract expires after just two more seasons. Uh, and then there's no one else getting terribly overpaid for a really long time. Uh, Adam Henrique and Jacob Silverberg are signed for the next five years each, but at under $6 million each. So I feel like they've got a lot of wiggle room to rebuild. And they've got some young guys, but I just don't think they're going to be good enough this next year. And their their blue line really does not impress me very much either. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so to wrap this up, what do you guys think the the order of finish will be in the Pacific Division? Who do you think is going to make the playoffs? Yeah, um, I guess I would have uh, Arizona in the top three because I only have uh, three players or three teams from this from this division going to the playoffs. I've got Vegas winning the Pacific. I've got San Jose finishing second. I think they still they they continue to march along even though they lost Joe Pavelski. And I think Phil Kessel leads uh, Arizona to the playoffs. I've got. Uh, I've got Calgary finishing fourth, Vancouver fifth, Edmonton sixth, Anaheim seventh, and the uh, the Kings eighth. So there we go. All right, Ryan, do you agree? Disagree? I will say, I think Calgary, I think Calgary has another good year. I don't know if I want to put them up number one. Screw it, let's do it. I'll put Calgary, Vegas, San Jose, and I will say Arizona makes as a wild card. I don't know how, but that's what I'm feeling in my gut. The cannon loves Arizona. Yes, we're we're in on Arizona. We're desert dogs, and then the rest of this just my eyes just glaze over, and it's so bad. It's but let's say Vancouver. No, let's say Edmonton, Vancouver, L.A., Anaheim. That's my eight. Ooh, last for saying. Yeah, I will go also with Vegas as number one. I will go with uh, San Jose as number two. I think I will stick with Calgary three, Arizona four, but I think that's going to be a tough battle. Um, and I don't, I don't know yet whether I think the Central is going to be good enough to also take both wild cards. We'll have to see on that. I'm going to go Anaheim in fifth, but then the Canucks in sixth, Oilers in seventh again, and the Kings in eighth place again. Can I ask a, can I ask a question of you two? <laughs> D- Hi, Pub Dragon. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently I'm allowed to ask a question. All right. Does Connor McDavid request a trade next summer? No. No, I, 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 think, he's, I think he's too white bread to ever rock the boat with something like that. I, th- I think he's, he's in it for the long haul. He'll collect his paycheck. He'll collect his individual stats and maybe individual trophies. Uh, I, I, he just doesn't strike me as the type to get like angry and say, screw it, I'm out of here. Get rid of me. I if I mean if they if they are in the basement again. I mean he Seeds is right though. He is so dead inside, and every time he talks about losing, it is just gets worse and worse. There may be there may be I don't know if he requests a trade, but there may be enough. I don't know. Remember years ago, people were throwing jerseys on the ice, and people 
That team has never gotten any better. That whole franchise is a mess. Who knows what could happen? But I, I don't think he asks out. But I don't think he does either. But I think at some point, man, you're you're gonna hear someone from his camp like there, there's gonna be a story written where his camp is leaking something that like Connor's real unhappy that they they finished you know with below eighty points two of the last three years or something, and Edmonton's got to turn it around. And Connor's gonna start asking, or Connor's gonna ask out, and the pressure's really gonna be on Ken Holland to turn that team around real quick. That's that's. That's my biggest takeaway from the Pacific Division is can Ken Holland in the next two years find a way to utilize Connor McDavid while he's still in his prime? Well, I, I what who would trade for him and what do you think it would take to get him? Every team would tr- would try to trade for him. It would take the moon to get him. Yeah, I mean, we're talking what multiple first round picks, right? Yes. Multiple prospects and probably at least one or two NHL players. Probably is that, is that, that sounds right. Is that enough? Is that too much? I don't I don't I don't I can't recall what the Gretzky trade was off the top of my That's head. That's literally what I'm looking up right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I but I would say it's Gretzky also had f- other guys in there in that right. in that deal. And, and and I feel like you know this contract would the, the, a trade of Connor McDavid would have to just to make it work, but yeah, uh I'm gonna say that if the Jackets tried let's hypothetically say the Columbus Blue Jackets tried to trade for um Connor McDavid right now, it would probably take some some uh, at, at a bare minimum. It would take Alex Texier, Liam Foody, your next two first round picks, and uh, Emil Bemstrom, and maybe another prospect. Like it, it's going to be a lot. But if Connor McDavid ever is remotely available, it's a high price to pay for a generational talent. I, I think he would. Edmonton would probably also ask for one of the top two defensemen. And I think that's where Columbus says no. Mm. Unless you unless you can pull one of those forwards out, like keep, you know, keep keep Texier and, and throw in Zach Wierenski, because I don't think the team's ever letting Seth Jones go. Yeah. So if it, what if it's like Wierenski, a first, say, uh, Anderson and a prospect. Would you make that trade? Yeah, I probably would. I would. And I love Zach Wierenski, but I would I would make that trade. I probably would as well. I was thinking of like the Nash trade where you had two like like one one top six player, one middle six player, a prospect and a first round pick. And that was to get, you know, six years of Rick Nash. So I'm thinking that's that's the starting point for McDavid and, you know, probably would demand even more higher higher caliber players than that. But again, I don't know that Edmonds is looking to do that yet. But a couple years down the line, they might have to. All right, we are bumping up on time. But as Angela Purley plays us out, PD, you just saw her recently, correct? I did. I was at their uh, album release show at Scully's Music Diner, and it was fantastic. Yeah, check her out if you haven't. Her album's 430. I appreciate her allowing us to use Angela Purley and Helen Moons's uh, green eyes to play us out. Thank you for listening. You can find us at jacketscanon.com. You can find us on Twitter at CBJCanon. We are also on Facebook. Elaine, we miss you. Will, we miss you. We will see you guys down the road. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.